welcome to Conversations About Life. There was a conference I was at um, beginning of the year where I asked that question. It was a big conference. And what, what question is that? Um, why they had been kind of going on about how important it was to find a missions agency that is doctrinally aligned with you because it causes problems if you were to work with you know to to work with others i guess different things like that and i and i said my question was some along these lines some of the most beautiful work and love of christ displayed on the mission field is when there are peoples of different denominations that show christ's love and are working together to love people and share the gospel like um and there is division on the mission field, but basically, people have to work together. Like, you can't choose your brother in Christ on the mission field when it's just you and one or two other people, you know? So, um, so like, I was saying, what, shouldn't we be working together? And the answer was, yes, different churches, in the, his opinion, the person answering his opinion, the people, it was like a panel of four people or something like that, they were like, yeah, Baptists and Presbyterians and different churches should come together to work, to serve our community, to reach the lost. But when it comes to church planting, which their argument was that missions should have the goal of planting a local church, you need to be uh, doctrinally aligned enough to be able to plant a church and not be at odds about how what, what that church should look like, I guess, or something like that. Because... Yeah. Well, I, and they're from from them up on the stage. You have Presbyterians and Baptists, where one, you, it's more you, even if they're both elder led. You have one where the people are, are are kind of electing their elders, and they're independent. You know, Southern Baptists like we have a convention, but each church is kind of an independent entity. Mm-hmm. All Presbyterians um, are more answerable to the people to the over, the presbytery, the people above them. I can see the practical problems, but it seems so un-New Testament to have like, well, we'll do it our way and you guys do it your way. And we'll just, you know, it just seems like uh, it goes against Paul's emphasis on being of one mind, being of one spirit. I might be paraphrasing and stuff. But anyway, let's just go ahead and introduce the the podcast. And and thanks for uh, getting together with me, uh, Billy. And the topic is, uh, we were going to have another um, guest. Um, Hopefully that will happen at a later time. (laughs) Yeah. And the topic was going to be, um, well, just, you know, this other guest, he was kind of discovering that his experience of Christianity was just a subset of Christianity, of, you know, of all of Christianity. Um, it was just one group, and he was even in a, a, a small group within that group, and it, it, it was kind of like he just was coming to realize, wow, Christianity or Christendom or however you say it, you know, is much bigger and varied than um, than what he thought. And I thought, well, that'd be, I think you maybe suggested that we uh, that I talk with him and I pulled you into it and now he's not there but we two are <laughs> and I feel like I'm just kind of with all my questions and my wondering about this so yeah maybe it will set up 
good future conversations. Well, it's an interesting topic, and I think I've probably brought this up um, to you before, Billy, about how maybe we should, um, like the way we do church maybe is wrong as far as when we look for a church, we're looking for like-minded people. That's generally what, what people do. And it's not just like-minded on doctrine, like it's like, like-minded on like the type of person you are besides that. Like, are you, you know, got a big homeschool family or are you a single person? Um, and like, what are you comfortable with? Right. Yeah. So all kinds of things like that. But um, what if we um, chose our church based more on geography? Now, the Catholic, Roman Catholics, they do have the parish system where, you know, if you're in a particular parish, then you go to that particular parish church, you know. But they are just one group of Christians. So, But it, it, it's something I'm seriously interested in um, because like, like a family, you don't choose your family members. You're just stuck with them, you know. And there's some benefits to that. In fact, um, Chesterton, I think it was, who said... Um, you know, when you go out of your home into the world, it gets smaller. You think it's getting bigger, but it's getting smaller because you're going out and you're finding people like yourself. You join the chess club, this group, whatever. People who are like you, and then your world gets narrow. But when you're at home, you're stuck with like weird uncle, whoever, you know, and it's like, and you guys are so different, but you're within the same four walls, and you just and in a, in a sense, your world is bigger because you're you're with people you didn't necessarily choose, and um, and you have to learn to live with different people, and well, the church is a family, and um, and Paul does seem to talk about accommodating one another. I'm thinking of toward the end of Romans, like maybe it's chapter 14, about some people, um, uh, you know, observe certain days and some don't. Um, Some eat, some don't as far as like particular foods. But he says, you know, we serve the Lord um, and um, who are you to judge another person's... uh, uh, you know, I'm the, the servant of someone else's master, and you know, he, he that other person's accountable to God, you know. So, and you're to, and his basic point was live together with your differences. But, um, so that's kind of like something that's been on my mind, and it's a little bit, it's more than just a theological, uh, Position, it's like kind of personality wise, too. I think some people have more of an open personality, and some people have more of a closed personality, and we need both types of personalities. But there's also just the you know, more of the position like, how should we be? You know, so anyway, so that's just how we're kicking things off. Okay, so one, um one question is um, that's kind of related that I think we could start with. Who should be regarded as a Christian brother or sister? Because uh, probably not everyone who just goes by the name of Christian, um, if their life 
or maybe a particular church is anything but Christian, but they could still have the name. Um, okay, so w- what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so um, f- first, the conversation I was having the other day mm-hmm. um, and some of the information I was receiving, it's like, in statistically, people that do fall underneath underneath the name of Christian are Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, and Catholics around the world. Okay. Which a lot of times, when we think Catholic, we think Catholic, the Catholic of our country. Mm-hmm. But in other countries, it can be very different. It can like, be very. Are you talking about like voodoo mixed in and yes, stuff like that? It can okay. be wrapped. Up, and the way it was being described is. Like in South America, mm-hmm. the, the conquistadors came in and said, it's either be baptized or be killed. And the ones that survived are the ones that were baptized. <laughs> so the, they're all Catholic today. Right. So, and, and, and also the Catholic Church, because they didn't understand what was being taught, just kind of got laid over and wrapped around what they already believed. Mm-hmm. And that happened in a lot of places around the world, or in different ways. So anyway, so... I think a lot of people, yeah, there are a lot of categories that we wouldn't, I wouldn't believe are Christian that get put underneath the name of Christian. So, um, but someone who is Christian, someone who believes um, and in God the Father, the creator of the world, and in Christ Jesus and his sacrifice for our sin so that he is our, our savior, and also... Our Lord, the one who it will, uh, to whom the kingdom belongs, the kingdom of God belongs. So, I guess that's maybe getting started. So, what about people who are, you know, go by the name? Well, is the church a physical, visible organization like Roman Catholics kind of view it? If so, I could see the point of like, well, they might not be true Christians, but they're in the church so you don't abandon them or the church you try to reform it because there's just one church and it's this organization and you know they they claim they trace it back you know to the apostles and so forth. so i think there's like no man that is the head of the church it's okay. only christ that's the head of the church and you know there and there's the vision uh to nebuchadnezzar you know there's the rock not cut by hands mm-hmm. that smashes the statue and grows into the mountain that covers the whole earth, but it's not made by man. It's not cut by man. So I think that's the problem sometimes with with the emphasizing like men too much, and that happens in different ways. So I don't think men can orchestrate the kingdom of God. I think that's something only God can do. Okay. Yeah, I don't see it in, in the Roman Catholic way either as like this organization where you can go, you know, at the headquarters as an address, that type of thing. And I'm like, that's the church, you know, the universal church, you know. But um, it's kind of like I don't have a real strong argument for my position. It just doesn't seem like, <laughs> you know. Hmm. But... Um, Anyway, so so basically, you know, not everyone who goes by the name of Christian ought to be regarded as Christian. Yeah, there are actually a lot. So there are lots of people that go by the name of Christian, but who can't, 
um, express the gospel or share the gospel. And if you were to ask what it is, um, a lot of times it starts feeling like work. So I'd say someone who believes that works is part of salvation or like works save you in some way that are not, okay. don't have the true gospel. Right. If, um, okay. So anyway, it might take work just to define like who's in, who's out, but some are out mm-hmm. and some are in mm-hmm. and there needs to be some discernment and um, and I think that is one area, like I don't know if we want to sidetrack too quickly, but that's one area where you do see uh, the church dividing. It's like, especially in, in reform circles, there's a lot of concern about the true gospel. So in missions, is this a missionary or mission agency that is, or a church that's teaching the true gospel? There's a lot of concern that it's getting diluted or somehow mixed or not clearly presented, that it's by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. Um, so that's one area where, especially in missions, I feel like you see division. It's like, well, you need to make sure it's a reformed mission agency, reformed missionary, reformed church, and they're preaching a reformed doctrine. Because if not, you could be in danger of losing or some diminishing the gospel. So that's one area I've seen the church divide. Okay. So, um, so it's probably a little Pollyannish. My first picture of you just base it on geography. You, uh, I mean, you could base it on geography, and that comes into play. But it theoretically, um, you might have to dis- discern: is this a group of Christians or is it not? Okay, biblically, I think to some extent it does have to be based on geography. Mm-hmm. If you are part of a church online only or through non-physical contact and community, mm-hmm. I don't think that's biblical. I think part of the outworking of, um, well, we have many churches here, so you can find the one that y- that you like, right? So we kind of have that abundance of resources and options that a lot of places don't have. But then, two, there's like this underlying American thing that I kind of... Uh, like to point out a lot, I guess, but just that there's a lot of individual individuality in in America. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world doesn't experience the same way we do. Even down to um, the way everyone owns a car, the way mm-hmm. ro- the road system is has been built over the years, the way people think and choose. It's very self focused a lot of times. So I think. Our lack of geographically formed churches is part of it, a little piece of it, is that, well, I can choose and go to the church that I want to. Mm-hmm. While um, there's a lot of places in the world where that is not an option, really. You are stuck with the church, the local group of believers that uh, is there, and you have to struggle more together through those differences. And... Um, in some places, there's still like, you know, in Mexico, there's still like you can go down to this church or that church or whatever sometimes, but in, in some places not. So maybe we're, we're, we've become used to not being geographically bound, like having a car, mm-hmm. every person having a car, every family having a car just creates a lot more options in some ways. Right. Um, now, Jesus talked about, he was talking about leaders, but he said, you know, 
beware of wolves and sheep's clothing, um, and you shall know them by their fruit. So his um, a rule of discernment there seems to be um, what comes out of their lives. Like he's not mentioning their doctrine so much right there, what they're teaching as much as um, what their lives look like. In fact, somewhere else he said, uh, you know, do what they tell you, just don't do what they do, <laughs> or or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess that might be um, a part of like discerning who's a brother and sister in Christ and who's not, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But still, it might be naive to think he... So my tendency is just to want to have some kind of something simple, like <laughs> the Apostles' Creed. Hey, this is the Apostles' Creed. Do you, can you go along with that? Okay, me too. So we're in. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're together. Okay. Brother. Yeah, okay. So uh, and before we start, I was mentioning some... It feels like sometimes there's just like practical things, like how do you run your church? Like mm-hmm. how do you decide who are your elders or deacons? How do you make building decisions? How do you pay for things? How do you meet? Um, where do you meet? The sound, like, but again, if you're more constrained geographically, maybe you don't get to pick your church based on those things. Mm-hmm. But a church has to run and function somehow. So I guess the first question, like, yeah, before that, the first question would be, should we divide, should Christians ever divide, and if so, over what? And that's kind of what some of my questions are right now. And I'm wanting to uh, read this book that has been shared with me a little bit uh, about... And the title of the book is... Finding the Right Hill to Die On. Yeah. And its premise, I believe, is that there are certain things that just include all Christianity. If you don't have this, you're not part of the kingdom. But then there are other things that can divide us, but we can still have fellowship together. Like, okay, so one church that believes one thing can have fellowship and work together with another church that believes differently. Let's take baptism, maybe, as an example. And then... So, but that doesn't mean like we're not, we can't fellowship as brothers in Christ that we believe differently about some of those things. But then there is even um, more, there's, a, there's another circle where you just need to hold to these things together if you're going to be able to function well as a church together. So um, to, be, to be brothers in, in Christ together in that church. So... Um, that's kind of its premise as I understand it. So the, right. so the first question I guess would be, is that correct? And then if so, what are those levels? Where are those areas? And it, it's kind of interesting because some of the pastors I was listening to, talking, having this conversation with, were discussing whether believer's baptism is one of those points for church, like for a church, for church membership. And I've never actually heard that even discussed before, like it always was just assumed, like you believe baptism one way, you need to go to this kind of church. You believe baptism this way, you need to go to this kind of church. So, but it would be really interesting which one of these churches is does function this way, that they hold to believers' baptism, but they don't exclude people who believe in covenant baptism, like Presbyterians, from membership. 
Mm-hmm. If they can explain that their doctrine and that's what they believe uh, based on scripture, then they are welcomed as members. And that is, um, that's interesting. Yeah. And I like that. And I think I have heard of that before. And that's good. I mean, I think. Um, so, and when you brought this up earlier, you know, I had like a counter argument to it about like, you know, what, um, on what basis do you divide as a church um, over things like that? And like, so, and just to express that again in kind of a different way, if the thing you are dividing on is a more explicit or foundational doctrine, then the very explicit foundation, you know, strong way Paul puts having unity and being of one mind and everything, then perhaps you should divide over that. But like, you know, some of these other doctrines, they they might be more of like nuanced, like, um, you know, not explicit, not strongly pushed and stated as it's as like being of one mind and being of the same heart about a matter and uh, and having unity, which seems like really strongly stated. Um, at the New Testament times, they had that, so Paul was just trying to preserve it. Mm. Um, okay, so being unified and being of one mind are those necessarily the same thing? Like. Like if you're staying together, even though you have you're, like, is being of one mind just staying together, or does that mean truly coming to one belief on something? No, I think it's not coming to one belief. I think it's staying together. Okay, and so how? Why do you think that? Like when he says be of one mind, because it's clear that they're of different opinions about things. Some observe days, some don't. Some eat, some don't. But so the being of one mind is in Christ, like in, right. in what you believe of, of the gospel and being unified and following him. Being, a, being of one mind and following Christ, not right. necessarily these doctrines. Yeah, and, um, and I'm not for sure if, um, if of one mind's the right phrase. I'm just, you know... I think so. Okay, something Sounds like familiar. that. Yeah. Something like mm-hmm. that. But so like... If, um, like I mentioned before, if the group, like each group or one of the groups felt like, yeah, I believe this particular thing about baptism or whatever, but I'm so into, um, like I'm taking seriously what Paul says about being of one mind, and that's even more important than I'm going to put the emphasis on that and give way to my brother, and let him go according to his conscience. And then if they're both like that, it might be a fight over who who gets to give way to the other rather than vice versa. Hmm. Okay, I had a thought, and then I had another thought come in. Um, one, uh, just an example of, of, so yeah, I have two questions. I'll try to remember the second one and go with the first one. So, uh, for example, let's say, <clears throat> you know, lots of people have different eschatological viewpoints, end times, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But let's say one person believed that the return of Christ was dependent on the whole, all the nations of Christ following his teaching. 
Okay. So they strongly believe in governmental reform and really going after pursuing things in that way. While another believes um, that it's going to get worse and worse until Christ returns and that really it's just person-to-person discipleship is the only thing that we need to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how uh, could those... um, Is there anything that more that needs to be said there or do they just exist together? How do they... Let's say you have like two groups of people in a church. Right. Maybe you have 50, one, 50, the other. Right. Um, how do they have fellowship together and work together? Is it just a matter of understanding each other's differences and respecting them? Um, yeah. And it's like understanding the most primary commandment given is to love one another. And they're not going to be able to do that if they're two separate groups. And the group that believes in the reform would be um, like um, interested in that, wanting that, but they're like, hey, I'm going to um, you know, give respect to my brother who believes differently. I'm going to uh, allow him to do his discipling. I'll even maybe support him in that just out of love. And um, as I have an opportunity, I'll pursue the reformed and you know the government reform and so forth and um but we're going to be one family we're going to love each other um that's and that's a matter of just a witness to the rest of the world um that we're going to love each other and show by that that we're disciples of jesus and i'm going to take the things that are strongly stated unity love and make those the things that I most strongly pursue and those other things which I I don't think they're strongly stated like those two positions like uh, you know uh, those are just they're going to be things that I value but they're not going to uh, precede the more fundamental things that go along with the New Testament teaching okay yeah yeah, I guess it, I guess it's one thing to to state that, and it's another thing to live that out. When you find brothers in Christ that you just there's this a friction or sometimes a frustration. You're trying to gather people for a need or cause that you see, and they're busy doing following the need or the cause that they see. You know, so but the living that living out unity with grace and love. Um, I guess that would that would take the love of Christ <laughs> to do. Yeah, it takes trusting God. Because, um, like, I can think of one thing, and this has more to do with politics and economics. But I can just think of how, like, um, most Christians—I don't know most Christians—in the West, in our country, a lot of Christians are more conservative, free market, and stuff like that, and then. There are other Christians uh, here, it seems like a minority, that are more of like um, government's the answer. And that's how we do social justice through government and so forth. And where I would kind of like uh, see that pursuing that as like pulling down economics in my country that we all need to be healthy and robust to, to live and thrive on 
and otherwise there's going to be like bad consequences. And that's how I feel. But like, um, if I have brothers and sisters who feel differently, I just got to trust my life and my country into God's hands and, and, and love them. And, um, you know, the, the way they're going, they're going, it might just be, um, pulling things down severely. Who knows how bad it could get, you know? Um, and and yet, I think a lot of issues. So that's just like a, an example. But I think a lot of issues might be like that. Like, oh, I'm just going to choose obedience to to Christ over what seems pretty clear to me, and um, and just trust God with the whole situation. Hmm. All right. So in your mind, are there are there um, would you at this point um, would you l- like to see like all Christendom be unified in that way even like at the local church level or are there any as, are there any reasons you would see for for churches or groups of local believers dividing um, and not just because of geographic or numbers reasons but you know doctrinal reasons or practical reasons um, one thing is the authority of Scripture. So I'm not talking about inerrancy or some of the other words that's used for Scripture, for the doctrine of Scripture, but just like authority. Like if someone doesn't see the Bible as their authority, then um, then to me it's like, well, what are you basing your religion on? Maybe you should just call it the Church of Will or the Church of Billy instead of the Church of Christ because like, this record of Christ isn't like you're putting yourself over it and you're kind of going and doing your, what you think is best rather than, now there can be a lot of disagreement over, you know, the text. Um, but, um, if someone denies that it is like the standard, the authority, it's like, I don't know, like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I guess it depends on how it's played out. Like if it's just totally disregarded or if it's just stated that way, but it's still kind of given heed to, you know, I don't well, know. Well, what about a faith that has the Bible and another authority? Hmm. Right. Because there are many of those. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would see that as a reason to, well, for me personally, I would not want to be with a church that is using something else as their authority. Like, so the Catholic faith would say there's the Pope and tradition along with the Bible, right, as an authority. Right. The Mormons would say the Bible's an authority and their book. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. I guess it would have to depend on, like, if there's a con- if their authority was contradicting the Bible, like, um, and I guess Protestants would say that it is, and <laughs> I'm not convinced of it. I know the Roman Catholic Church has made mistakes, but I'm not convinced that their basic fundamental doctrine, like as stated in their catechism, is opposed to Scripture. I could, but I don't know it that well. I could be wrong. Hmm. I mean, if I read it more thoroughly, I could change my position on that. 
It seems like, for me, it seems like the, the, the Bible is God's word. It comes from him. So if you put anything else as an authority with it, you're putting man up there with God's word. Because any other authority found in this world comes from man, right? Um, not necessarily. Like, um, So this ain't like... I can argue this position, though it's not necessarily my position, but like, okay, let's say the prophets, you know, so this is a man stirred up with the Spirit of God, you know, and then and the, the, our scripture is those words. So um, if, um, so like if um, there was um, like someone... I'm not going very. Uh, so, ask the question again, and I'll just take another stab at it. All right. So the the Bible is the word of God, right? Through man, but by the right. Holy Spirit, right. coming from God, right? It's what we take as His word, right? If any church or person puts something else besides the Bible as an authority. That authority is man. You are making man equal to God's word. That authority, uh, whether it be through a book or through a person, through a prophet, okay. or whatever it would be, it seems very dangerous to me because you're making man equal to God. So it's well, it's almost like having two two views of inspiration. Then, like that, um, God speaks through the Bible, and God speaks through the church and those that He. You know, leading the church, the, um, the prophets and the apostles or their successors, you know. So this isn't my view, but like that's what it would be, I think. It would be not like God and man. It would be God and God, mm-hmm. but seeing okay. God speaks his word here in the text. And he continues to speak. He, right. So, And that's where it seems like most of our like cults and like problem like uh, faith that cause problems in my mind in my opinion right. would come from right. is when you say they have a continue continued uh, mm-hmm. authority that right. is, is coming from man somehow or from God but you know right yeah. I can see that mm-hmm. um, okay so that would be one reason to to maybe to split someone who doesn't believe in that God's word is the authority. Right. Okay. Well, are there any other reasons? Well, if you know, like the, the central, the things of like the apostles creed. So I think the early ecumenical creeds, though they're not scripture, they are the creeds of the entire church and on those early centuries and um, so this is kind of like basing uh, the, the claim on church history I guess that um, this is how the church was shaped at the beginning and even so many groups would say you know we're going back straight to the scriptures and they just kind of would discount maybe not care about the creeds but um that's how the church was kind of shaped up, and you could say from just the perspective of tradition, 
if you're outside of that, then you're outside of Orthodox Christianity, meaning what it has been, you know, from from the beginning. So you could still maybe say that you are um, the Bible is your authority, and you're kind of jumping over all of church history and going right back to it. And Roman Catholics would say that's kind of what Protestants do over and over again, and that's why we have like so many denominations. But um, if someone um, did jump over those ecumenical creeds and come up with something different, I would think, and this isn't based on the Bible as much as just based on valuing church history and and my faith that God has preserved the church, um, I would I would divide over that. I think. Hmm. So um, you're looking at something on your phone there. So. I just pulled up the Apostles okay. Apostles Creed. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, so it just that you know it says I believe, and then it lists right, right. God the Father, Maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived from the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, um, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Yeah. So we changed it at Rockport to Holy Christian Church. Mm. It's Catholic with a lower C. Right. The Holy Catholic Church. Christian. Yeah. Church, church is big C, but yeah. Catholic is little C. Right. I don't like changing it to Christian Church because it's almost like changing it the meaning the the meaning, but I think that it should be stated somehow clear that we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Right. Right. Like yeah. the Holy Universal Church or the Holy <laughs> Worldwide Church or yeah. the Holy I don't know what well, I don't know what. Yeah, well, so Catholic and Christian I guess have both been slightly changed from the original meaning. But like Christian should be Christ follower. So if you understand it as that, not just a, a movement, a certain movement or a certain. Well, the some, word Catholic means universal, right? So, so the, the same thing with Catholic. Like now, it, we think of the right. Catholic Church as them that denomination. But mm-hmm. it, so, it, and same thing with Christian. Like if you think of Christian, well, evangelical or something like that. Okay. So both of them, their their root meaning would work. But what they've kind of taken on maybe doesn't help us with understanding what's being stated here. Well, if you're going to keep with the word that means the same thing, it's, it needs to be something about universal, I think. Okay. Like holy blank church. We need uh, another okay. word for Catholic okay. if, if people don't understand what Catholic means. Okay. Um, so it says, you know, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says like you know we believe in the Virgin Mary. It's like we believe in these things. That doesn't that leaves a lot of space. It does a lot of space. Like how like are that. how are we for, how are we forgiven from sin? It doesn't say in right. that creed. You know how are we forgiven? 
And there's different uh, models of or models or whatever. Um, there's different ways that the atonement is pictured in Scripture. So um, we might think of just um, like a penal substitution, but that's not the only way it, it's pictured. And um, so it might not meaning not mean that there's different um, different viewpoints expressed in the New Testament, but more as just different ways of looking at it and different um, ways it's illustrated. Hmm. Penal substitution maybe kind of being more of the heart of it, but not the only way it's illustrated. Hmm. And then, like, you know, it says, we believe in the Virgin Mary. Well, the way we believe in the Virgin Mary and what it, what I've heard, like the way the Catholic Church believes in the Mother Mother Mary or Virgin Mary, is seems different. This mm-hmm. very different, right? Um, right. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, seems like a a problem. Um, done with that sheep. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a problem because the way things are now is so not New Testament, you know, as far as the unity and everything like that. But um, anyway, I don't have an answer. Um, I think in the love, I don't know. This is something that, like a thought I have, like in the love of Christ, we have more unity than we realize. Mm-hmm. What the Catholic Church tried to accomplish, I feel like was wrong. Is like unite the church based on human power, human wisdom, okay. human leadership. I feel and like and the Protestant Church was a part of that after the Reformation, um, sometimes as well, right? Like, right, okay. right. So I think it started with well, okay. So there was the Catholic Church. I feel like any there's no human or no man, no power of man that can unite the kingdom of Christ. Only Christ okay. can. Okay. So. Part of me wonders, in order to keep pride from, from or uh, from you know destroying Christ's body, Christ's family, in order to make sure that the world knows this is of Christ alone, not by any man. Maybe that's part of the reason we are divided the way we are. We're so fractured, divided, um, all these walls that aren't really walls, and yet hmm. we're all unified in Christ. And, and, you know, when we go, I think the mission field opens up our eyes sometimes to that reality. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, we are depending on our brother in Christ that we differ from doctrinally. Mm-hmm. We are working alongside them. Right. Um, and um, there are different uh, when we reach our community out to our communities together with other denominations. Sometimes the love that's there surprises people mm-hmm. because it is there. Mm-hmm. This church does love God and loves people. Um, and so when we're just inside our church, we maybe. We feel more divided than we actually are sometimes. So that's one thought I've had. Mm-hmm. And then another thought is Christ alone is going to receive the glory for what he's done. 
And maybe part of our fracturedness is a result not only of our, our fallenness and, and, and finiteness, but also because um, we're just, it, he's meant to be the only unifier, not, not a person. Right. I don't know if those that are, makes sense. Those are, those are some good thoughts. I like that. Um, yeah. If um, love can shine through despite the differences, denominations, walls, and so forth, um, I think that's a really good thing. And we can't necessarily, if we try too hard to make it right, we might just end up starting a new denomination on accident. <laughs> that probably happens over and over again. It, it does. I think it does happen over over again. And like, we're going to start and we're going to do it different. We're going to be non-denominational. And then before you know it, it turns into another denomination. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, here's um, just kind of a, a little bit of a turn in um, the topic. Unless, is there anything else to say about this before we... Just kind of touch on something else. Mm, I, I had a thought just to ask you, do you, you know, you talked about open and closed mm-hmm. personalities. And I just, um, do you think that pastors tend, as shepherds and protectors, tend to be more conservative? And that sometimes leads, c- continues the separations. I feel like once you separate, is you can't get it's hard to bring people back together. You ne- I've never heard of two denominations merging. Have you? Um no, I don't guess I have. And I wonder if that tends to be just like the tendency as a as a protector and shepherd that that pastors in general have if that if that's part of it. But anyway, that was just a side yeah. thought that wandered through my head as we were as as you were talking. But oh yeah, we can continue on if you want okay. to. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, hmm. um, I, uh, the impression I get sometimes is that pastors are maybe more open um, because they've been exposed to a lot more. They've gone through seminary. They, uh, I think a lot of, they perhaps are older. I don't know, uh, for me, experience and knowledge and being exposed to things makes me more open. And then the way I picture it is like people in the congregation, they're kind of more narrow and limited and just what's out there. Like, like this is Christendom right here, just us, you know, and everyone else is outside, but like pastors maybe are more knowledgeable. And, um, so that's the impression I get sometimes, but um, but I think it is case by case, you know. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. So um, one thing um, that's just been comforting lately is um, just the um, just understanding that God is, and it kind of reminds me of um, well. So anyway, sometimes on my own when I um, am maybe um, getting ready to pray or something like this, 
you know, I, I just kind of get stuck right at the beginning because I just think, you know, who is this that I'm praying to? Like, you know, this being that I can't fathom, you know, and he's so um, beyond. And sometimes that makes me, um, I think, uh, it's caused too much of a separation in my own mind from me and God. But but here recently, I've been kind of considering, you know, I don't understand or grasp God, and I'm not meant to, I never can, I never will be able to, but um, that's different than knowing God. I think I can still legitimately talk about knowing God without saying, I understand God. I looked up the word understand the etymology, I think you call it, you know, the, mm-hmm. and it's like um, uh, standing, not under, but like in the midst of is kind of how people tend to think like the roots of it is. So it's like, I'm, I'm never going to be like being able to place the pieces of God together and say, this is how God works or whatever, you know, mm. um, but experience, knowing God is more like experiencing um, another person in a, a relationship where you're acknowledging them, they're acknowledging you, and you um, are experiencing something of them, you know? Mm. So I think that, you know, we can say that who have, you know, and it's been helpful to me um, just to consider that and to consider that um, like when Jesus, well, when God, um, the word I am is used so much in, in scripture, you know, um, when Moses, when God was sending Moses to the Israel to, you know, and he says, who shall I say sent me? Say, I am who I am um, sent you. So it's like, all you need to know is like, I am. You don't have to grasp um, what I am. It seems like really a, a pretty bad thing to try to take God and put him into the shape of a creature or something. It's almost like this, this would be manageable, you know, but God is not like that. So, um, so there's not going to be any kind of idol for God, except man, you know, created in his image, you know? So anyway, um, do you have any thoughts about that? I just thought I'd kind of bring that up and see if you have any. Uh, my immediate thoughts are there, um, there's a mission conference at a local church this last weekend. Uh-huh. And one of the missionaries actually wrote his dissertation on knowing hmm. how we know. Mm-hmm. And he had it. It was a little bit. I, I didn't uh, listen to the that whole session. He he broke it down in one of the breakout sessions, and and I was part of a smaller group listening to some missionaries. But he shared how well he had his his like this is how we we know, and he says the biblical knowing is um is not how we think as Westerners a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And he's a missionary to indigenous people groups. He's like, the way they think of knowing is a lot closer to the biblical knowing than our, our thoughts sometimes because we, we tend to be fact-based. You understand a fact, it fits into you know, what you 
of already established and you know something. Mm-hmm. It's like knowing is it involves experience, it involves doing. You can't know without without acting. It involves love and then that results in knowledge. And so he kind of had his system or not system, but his little wheel that and he was trying to to explain like the process that is a wheel. It, it's like it continues. Mm-hmm. It's not just linear, like the way we tend to think. Like this, then this equals this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and what's the points on the wheel? Um, okay, so I think, um, I don't know. I would. I know okay. love is on there. Mm-hmm. I know experience and action are on there. Doing, um, probably, hearing is on there as well, or uh, you know, it's all part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, but, but he has a dissertation on it. If you want to read it, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, so anyway, I think what you're saying about knowing someone or something is bigger than just the factual way we tend to think of, uh, in our, in our culture sometimes. Right. In our experience. And then considering that, um, Knowing God or even having a sense of God isn't the same as understanding God. It kind of feels like this sense might be more built into us than if we think. So, you know, like um, Alvin Plantinka, he says, well, it's reasonable to con- to think that if God made us, um, then he made us with a sense of him because we're his creatures and I've thought, do I have a sense? You know, I believe in God, but do I have some kind of like little thing in me that's saying, that's telling me that there's a God? Um, well, if I'm, you know, thinking more of like maybe Western or like something like just real vivid, um, beep, 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 there's, you know, God, there's a God or something like that, then I think, well, I'm not sure if I got that. But if it's more of just... Um, understanding just on a real basic level not a whole lot of content to it but just but just that that God is that there's something beyond the creation it does seem a little bit more intuitive or built in mm-hmm. or something like that yeah um, and something uh, beyond our understanding you know yeah when we limit ourselves to just fact based knowledge we're we're it, we're putting we're limiting ourselves to only one part of the world, I guess, that we can really touch and measure and, mm-hmm. and see. Um, so this, when some of these guys, this guy's points were, um, it, experience is part of knowing, you know, acting, uh, uh, trusting, doing. He, one of his points was that love is part of knowing. You can't, love is a reality. You can't know without love. And I didn't, fully grasp that that part like how that fit in but that was part of his dissertation that um it's yeah anyway it's like there is no true knowing without without love being part of that knowing right that kind of makes sense i don't know like otherwise you can know about somebody but if you um like if they're your enemy it's not like I don't know, somehow it doesn't make sense that you can really 
know them in the same way anyway. You can know what their next move might be. You can know a lot about them. But it does seem to be that to really know someone includes love. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But. Yeah, it, it feels like that gets bigger than where I'm used to thinking or trying to understand something. It might be worth trying to read his mm-hmm. dissertation at some point. I don't know. Well, here's the way it's kind of comforting because um, I seem to um, enjoy just kind of thinking in my thoughts. I'm an introvert, but sometimes I'm in a situation where there's just too much commotion and chaos around me to think. And if I'm like that all day and it's just like at the ball game on Saturday, like if it's just loud horns blowing, people yelling, this, that, it's like it's an uncomfortable situation for me, and and I j- afterwards I was just thinking, what can I do in situations like that? And it seems to me like if I can just remind myself that um, you know God is like I can't really um, um, enjoy Him, enjoy thinking about Him or running through a line of reasoning in my thoughts or something right now. But um, if I can just hold on to that he is and that when this is all over, <laughs> he'll be there and I can um, you know, have some rest from this. I don't know. It, it just seems like, well, maybe it's just something super simple, but a way to um, have some comfort in an uncomfortable situation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trusting in his person. Yeah, or just knowing that he is or something like that. But Anyway, so um, um, and it's also kind of helpful in midst of temptation too. Like if there's some temptation right there, just knowing God is he's his, he's he he's bigger than he can I mean he's so big he fills the heavens but he's so close that he's in my deepest thoughts and he is and like that temptation kind of fades away um, on two counts one is I'm receiving some kind of comfort which makes me less needing that temptation, whatever it is I'm tempted toward. And also, it's like, well, if God's that close, you know, I just want him instead of that. And um, and it's also like, if you have a little bit of healthy fear of God, then you don't want to live like if he's not around, you know, because you just remind yourself that he is. But anyway, that's it, I guess. Um, Anything else that you'd like to bring up before we just wrap up? Have you had um, the conversation a conversation with Sarah yet? Yeah. Um, so this is a spinoff topic, and then we can close. Okay. Uh, she recently finished a book called "Everything Sad Is Untrue," hmm. and it's a story, but the, the, of I guess someone finding Christ, and um, they're they're kind of autobiography a little bit you know synopsis of their story and uh, it's intriguing that that thought um but anyway i haven't read it yet but that's kind of 
goes with the not being able to know without love and that kind of thing a little bit. Okay. Anyway, yes, been a okay. good conversation. Okay. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.